You're tuned in to Let's Talk Good Business, the show that's designed to feature the emerging identity of social entrepreneurs, activists, philanthropists, and other creative change makers. Join our host, Dr. Dion Mahaffey, as she explores the strategies, leaders, and new markets that are driving the evolution of conscious good business. Hey, welcome to our show today. I'm so excited. We have Shaharis Beth with us, and he is the founder and director of Hackerness. They're based in Toronto, Canada, and they're a nonprofit global movement that builds local tech communities around the world. I mean, they're like really global, 21 cities, 12 countries, and four continents in the past couple of years, all organic growth. So he's here to tell us how he became Canada's largest tech community after 10 months and has held that title for four years in running, as well as just to talk about how to build tech communities around the world and other general and exciting and engaging information about how you too can become a better entrepreneur because you know our mantra here on our show is do good and be good wherever you are. So let's get started and welcome. Welcome, Shaharis, to the show. Hey, guys, I'm just so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me, Doctor. Real honor to be on the show. I'm glad. Let's, you know, tell our audience more about the tech socials and hackathons that you do. Sure thing. So the tech social is a little bit different from every other tech event that you've been to because there is no agenda. We, we, the, the vast majority of tech events are really kind of slimy, to put it <laughs> nicely, but there's always a hidden agenda where it's really just a big, thinly veiled sales pitch. Hey, come out to our event, have some of these drinks. By the way, we really want you to join our company, or we want you to use our product, our API. There's always something there that makes your interactions a little bit, um, it, it puts you on guard. The tech socials are different because they're super unpretentious and they're super down to earth. And you don't even need to be a tech person to, to show up and attend. We, I'm not even sure I can say this on radio, but we have a very strict no douchebag policy. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's written into the description of uh, pretty much all of our events. Um, the, the idea is as long as you're nice and as long as you're interested in technology and open to making new friends, that's, that's who we want to come out to these tech socials. Um, the, the, the real purpose of the HackerDesk organization is economic development through technological proliferation. Um, we want more people getting into technology because that's, hands down, the most profitable bang-for-buck industry you can be in. Um, and with more people getting into tech, businesses can hire better uh, from, from a larger pool of, of uh, like laborers while I'm going into economic terms. Sorry, I'm super nervous. This is the first radio interview I've ever done. Oh, no. I mean, hey, we're family uh, here. Thanks. <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah, so the more people are in tech, the the, the, the better businesses are able to hire, uh, the more money they make, the more food gets put on the table, the more jobs are created, et cetera, et cetera. Tech community really is the foundation for so much business activity. It's, it's where you go to to find mentors, resources. Uh, it's, it's, it's where you go for knowledge sharing and wisdom transfer. It's where you find out who to work for. It's, it's all of these intangible things that aren't really metricable. Like you, 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 can't, you can't call a success metric of uh, knowing where you should apply for a job and where you shouldn't. That's, that's kind of information that isn't, it, it's very difficult to find out little tidbits of information like that in any other setting or, or, or forum. Okay. So, okay. yeah, our, our tech socials are super down to earth, uh, open to anyone. It's free booze for nerds, usually the last Monday of the month, and um, everyone has a great time. And, and, and we cater to a really introverted audience. But at our events, everybody's talking to everybody. There's no weirdo standing in the corner, sipping the beer, looking awkwardly at everyone. Everyone is engaged. 
And it's, a, a lot of this is the down-to-earthness that we've um, pushed into the environment and the atmosphere of these events. Um, we, we do things quite differently from most other events. Like, we'll use mild profanity in, in our announcements. Like, that, this puts people at ease. Um, and it, people are like, oh, if, if, if he's saying that to a room of 500 people on the microphone, chances are he's not trying to sell me anything. And that just happens to be the truth. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. Like, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I interrupted. Go ahead. No, I was saying I like the free booth for nerds um, tagline. <laughs> you should <laughs> trademark the that. Ironic you know, thing, <laughs> the ironic thing is that even though we have all this free alcohol, mm -hmm. no one gets drunk. In, in the four years and over 180 events that we've run over, I guess, 21 cities now, I've seen one drunk guy, and he was this massive six foot seven British guy. He's like 65 years old. Came in, he's like, "Oh, this looks interesting. I'm going to have a drink." And and then he started <laughs> like really accosting the women at the event, and it was weird because I'm this little Asian guy. I walk up to him and I'm like, "Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to leave." And he towers <laughs> over me, and that was a nice little awkward moment. It was great. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he was drunk before he got there. If he's six seven, it took a lot to bring bring down that tree. Okay, Absolutely. so anyway, let's let's get, let's get back on topic. Now, what differences have helped make Hackerness stand out from the crowd and grow so quickly? What kind of differences? So much of this, uh, in in terms of events, is the unpretentiousness. Like, okay, we we have a hundred tiny little hacks that we do to make our events just more personal and less network events. So networking is where you look around for people to impress so you can use them down the road. We decry networking. I hate the idea of networking. It's just it's so superficial and it's so fake. It's like you're arbitrarily handing out business cards. Who cares? Are you really going to follow up with that person? Probably not. So at a tech social, we stress that you shouldn't be there to network. You should be there to make new friends. And one of the ways that we encourage this is that um, when you when, Everyone has always said when you've got you know, so many people coming out to the event, it only makes logical sense to, to get your name tags printed in advance, put them on a table so people can come, pick up their name tags, and then go inside the room and then socialize. Mm -hmm. And the, the traditional, I guess, uh, wisdom behind this is that these name tags should have your name, should have the company you're working with, your title, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? It makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it speeds things up so that people can get into the event faster. They don't, you don't create lines. Completely absolutely wrong. Do not do that. You want a successful event where you want people talking to each other, do not print out name tags. Do not put them on a table. Make people wait. Yeah. What we do is we only put a person's first name on their name tag, and we handwrite it. Remember, I'm dealing with a, with a community of real introverted types here. So the psychology yeah. is when you come to my event, and before you even start going into the event, um, someone smiles at you, asks you your name, writes your name down, gives you a name tag, you say thank you. Before you even enter my event, you've had a positive social interaction. For, for the commonly introverted tech types that attend these events, this is huge. This sets the stage and tone for the whole event. So you already break down that barrier of how do I, how do I make the first intro? How do, how do I talk to the first person? You take that fear away, right? Yeah. So that's one thing. Um, and, and, and just on the name tags alone, a lot of people think that lines are bad. This is untrue. Lines photograph really, really, really well. When you've got yeah. <laughs> you know, 20 people lining up to get into your event, take a photo of that. That's, that's yeah. all the marketing you really need. Yeah. Um, we, we do first name only. We don't include the name of your company. We don't include your title. Um, that's because 
if you don't know whether you're talking to the CEO or a janitor, you're polite. Yeah. And it, it gives you conversation topics like now you get to ask someone, oh, what do you do? Where do you work? You know, what are you interested in? Yada, yada, yada. You kickstart conversations by not having that in. And it also helps to stave off recruiters. So there's a lot of very obnoxious recruiter types who will show up to tech events and they will look for the person who has the word developer or designer or IT manager or project manager or whatever on their, on their name tag. And they will make a beeline for these people and give them the greasy pitch of, oh, hey, yeah, we're hiring. You should really quit your job. <laughs> right? Is it a greasy get... pitch? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, but as a tech social, you have no idea who you're talking to. You kind of need to talk to anyone and everyone to figure out what they do. And this is, this is the foundation of what builds friendship, learning about another person. And um, so, yeah, like something as simple as name tags. We do it completely differently from other people for logical, once you think about it, reasons. And that's just one of the many tweaks. The, the whole free booze thing, like, like I said, no one, no one gets drunk at these, these events because people are too involved in getting into conversations. They're, they're too busy talking and making new friends. They don't, they're not there to drink. It's a Monday night. I can't possibly afford to do this event on a Friday night because we're a nonprofit. Um, <laughs> and uh, Tuesday morning is just around the corner. Plus, you're surrounded by, by really, really smart people. It's like a big house party where everyone happens to be smart. Right? Yeah. It's that yeah. kind of atmosphere. It's that kind of feel. Nobody wants to look like a moron in front of their potential employers, employees, or partners. And yeah, yeah no one's dumb enough to get super drunk at these events, except the British guy. That's amazing. Yeah, except that guy, he came there drunk. So. Now, what differentiates <laughs> a real community event from a networking event? So a networking event generally has a very specific purpose, and that's to get business. And, and this is fine. We encourage that. We, we want people, hundreds and hundreds of people have gotten jobs out of our events just because we're kind of reversing the recruiting process. Most networking events, um, at least tech events, are thinly veiled recruiting events. It's companies trying to poach you, trying to get your business, trying to get you to join them. And that's totally fine if you're upfront and honest about it. We have sponsors that support our communities, and there, we, we have a 10-minute window where it's not purely social. We have a 10-minute window where we make basic announcements. Hey, guys, this is what HackerNest is all about. These are our sponsors. They're helping pay for the booze. You know, they're also hiring. You should think about talking to them. They're standing over there. They've all got red T-shirts. Go talk to them, like that kind of thing. Uh, so it's, it's super mellow. Um, the reason that our events are so good for recruiting, even though we explicitly state they're not recruiting events, is that we're reversing the hiring process. Usually, hiring and recruiting is based very much so on lines. You post up a job telling people how great your company is. People submit their resumes, tweaking their resumes to, 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 to be what they think you want to read. So they'll emphasize, oh yes, I've worked in PHP development for many years, and I'm an expert, da 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 I've spoken at conferences, whatever it is. So they're trying to put forward a version of themselves that might not necessarily be 100% accurate, which mm -hmm. is how the, the whole process is, is geared towards. And then there's the interviews. The interviews are, interviews are basically, you've already vetted a resume. So you know that the person probably has the skills that you need. The interviews are to find out whether or not you can stand sitting next to somebody for eight hours in the cubicle next to yours. Like that's the point of the interview. So when the interview time comes along, yet again, people are pressured to kind of lie, right? They're pressured to, to tell you things that they think you want to hear. So, 
oh, my greatest weakness is that I'm just, I'm just addicted to work. I, I can't, my work-life balance is terrible. I work all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm addicted to workaholic. Yeah. <coughs> and, yeah and, that's, and that's pretending. You're not really getting to know the person. You're getting to know the person they think you want to hire. Excuse me. <coughs> oh. That's true. Hey, bless you. Thanks. And um, so what, what, what happens at a tech social when you take away this agenda of I'm trying to hire someone and I'm trying to get a job, you set the stage for people to have honest conversations about who they really are. When I say go out and make new friends, you, you, you basically do the interview first. But now the interview isn't, it's not canned. The interview isn't full of prepped answers like what are your greatest weaknesses and what are your greatest strengths and how do you work in a team? Nobody's going to say, I work terribly in a team. I have to have my way or the highway and I hate everyone. Like, no one's going to say true. that. <laughs> but at a tech social, when you're talking to them and, you, and you're saying things like, oh yeah, so when you've worked in teams before, you know, do, do, do you like that? You'll get the honest answer what someone's really like and that's honest communication that uh, is way more valuable than an interview. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. That is true. You're, you're, um, and bless you. Now, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I want you to continue sharing that information as well as I want you to share with our listeners, you know, your tech background, what you've done. I have a few more questions about, you know, Hacker Nest as well as some general entrepreneurship questions. So, you know, hey, um, to our listening audience, don't touch that dial. As a matter of fact, call a friend and tell them to tune in. This is Let's Talk Good Business on WDJY 99.1 FM Atlanta. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with more information on how to be and how to do good business. At Boss Life Coaching, we partner with you to clarify, enhance, or reinvent your business strategy. Imagine your business with inspired leaders who foster teamwork, use of tools of innovation like social media and marketing automation. We offer executive coaching, tech startup consultation, small business coaching, and for larger organizations, we provide team building solutions, coaching, and soft skills training for you and your employees. Are you dreaming of a well-run business with consistent leads, sales, and profits? Well, let us help you make it a reality. Contact Boss Life Coaching, a program of the Life Purpose Coaching Institute. You can reach us online at bosslifecoaching.com or dial 877-427-2724, extension 801. That's bosslifecoaching.com. Welcome back. This is Dr. Dion, and my guest today, Shaharis Beth, is the founder of Hackerness, a global nonprofit movement that builds local tech communities around the world. Four years ago in Toronto, Canada, their tech socials quickly became the country's largest tech events and have since spread to 21 cities in 12 countries on four continents, and they're still growing. They run universally acclaimed hackathons for organizations like the British government and companies like Deloitte. Hey, I'm a Deloitte alum, <laughs> and they're unapologetically blunt and honest with the strict, and I'll let him tell you, policy about who can attend their events and how to conduct yourself when you're socializing amongst nerds that want to do good for the world. So welcome back, Shaharis. Now, you were sharing with us. You can, you can go ahead and tell us what that policy is, if, again, if you'd like. <laughs> we have a very strict no douchebags policy at our events. Um, <laughs> 
this is this is this is very important to note that there is a plural at the end of that word, which means I am still allowed to come. You can have yeah. one. It's like the no homers club, right? You can have one homer. Quite. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, so I think what we were talking about earlier was uh, the kind of communication that happens at, at the, the tech socials. They're, they're yeah. geared towards um, honesty and unpretentiousness, and just being blunt and direct about who you are, what you do, what you're interested, what you what what you love and the like. And the way that reverses the hiring process is that um, you, you get to interview people and find out whether or not they're nice people that you want to hang out with in an honest setting. And if you like what you hear, ask them for a resume and get to know the person that way. That's, I think, a way more effective approach to hiring than what's traditionally done. Um, and, and Sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying, so what impact can um, you know, a hackerness splinter cell, if you will, have on a community that doesn't have a very strong tech ecosystem? We're actually more interested in building up the tech community in places where there isn't already a massive, massive onslaught of tech people. Like, there are tech people everywhere. It is the biggest thing since sliced bread. I'm more interested in Little Rock, Arkansas having a hacker nest than I am in San Francisco having a hacker nest. San Francisco, you throw a rock, there's 50 tech groups already aligned, and they've got a fantastic community. They don't need the help. Yeah. Little Rock, Arkansas might not have such a you know, great community. No, no, no offense to anyone from Little Rock, Arkansas. I, I just haven't heard that, <laughs> like a bastion of tech community. So um, it's that we, we, we need tech people to have a home. There are so many entrepreneur groups, so many startup groups out there for, for everyone who wants to start up a business. But the backbone of – I'm pretty confident saying the vast majority of businesses that are you know, coming up today from startups and entrepreneurs, the backbone of all of this is your tech people. Who's going to build it for you? If you give your tech people a home and a community and a, fa and, and a place to feel you know, where they belong, and you give them the resources to – connect with other tech people and share and grow, you, you can really get much smarter tech people coming out of your city. Like when you graduate from school, the only, and, and you are a tech person, the only other tech people you know are the ones that you either went to school with or the ones that you currently work with. Where else do you go to find your community? You'd go online, sure, but that's nameless, faceless weirdos and, you know, sexy <laughs> guy, 73, who's, you know, just spamming you on the Internet. Yeah. But, <laughs> But where does, where does the business side of things come in, right? Where does trust come in? All, all, all business is based on trust. You have to believe that the person on the other end of the transaction is going to pony up the money that they said that they would give you for the services that you provide. You have to believe that if you are going into business with someone and you're an entrepreneur and you want to start a tech company or you want to start something, you have to believe that the person on the other end of this partnership is going to not fleece you and, and run off with your cash and run off with your idea, how do you build that trust if not in person? Would you start a company? Would you start a business with some random person that you met online? Yes, you might have the same kind of ideals, but without that visceral experience of seeing, of, of looking someone in the eye and, and knowing the kind of person they are in person, how, how, do, you have a, how do you have a founding partner? Yeah, so sure. that's, that's one of the ways that the tech socials really helps businesses and entrepreneurs connect. Um, Everyone's looking for a CTO these days. Everyone's looking for a tech person to help build their stuff up. And quite frankly, you could go on Elance and you could build things yourself, or you could have a trusted partner to handle the tech side of things so you don't need to learn it. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in that 
everyone should learn at least a little bit of code, at least understand the basics, learn a little bit of HTML, learn a little bit of, of, of CSS, and understand what technology can and cannot do before you jump into doing a tech startup. Exactly. You shouldn't rely 100% on, on the CTO for, for decisions around technology because um, it's like you and I are literate. You know how to read and write. You're not Shakespeare. Yeah. But pick up a pen. I might right? be though. Touche. <laughs> Touche. I am speaking to a doctor. I better watch myself. And a techie. Okay. And a techie and a coder. So very dangerous. <laughs> and a del and a deloiter. Ex-deloiter. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but I get your point. Now, now share your background. Do you code? You uh, I used to. So <laughs> okay. back when I coded, it was PHP 4. Just okay. people, people who know what that is will understand that I'm an old guy. That's fine. Um, I built you're the first not two that old. You're, you're not that old. I remember coding in, 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 in um, COBOL, so go ahead. I remember <laughs> I, I, my first language was QBasic, Hello okay. World. That, that was, yeah. oh, wow, I, I had hair back then. It was great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I built the first two HackerNet sites, but I'm, I'm not that good a tech guy. Like I'm, I'm a terrible coder. I, I just don't have the structured kind of mindset that you need to be organized enough to remember where you put your files, what you've written, what, what you've written and what. Like I'll, I, I used to rewrite my functions over and over again because I forgot that I'd already written them, and then they would conflict, and I'd be wondering, well, what, what's going on here? No. I'm, I'll, I'll build communities. I'll build organizations. I'll manage people. I'll, I'd, 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 I'd rather be attacked by a group of angry porcupines than code again. It's not going to happen. <laughs> my, uh, my, <laughs> my, my original, original uh, field of study was international relations and economics. I did developmental finance. And I basically, so Hackerness, if I had done a master's degree, Hackerness would have been my thesis. Um, okay. it's, and, and this is going to sound a little bit, you, you might want to bleep this next statement out of the uh, <laughs> But um, <laughs> nobody gives a crap about Africa. Like, it's the saddest thing ever. When I say nobody, I mean big corporations, right? Like, without a business interest in Africa, why would you do anything there? Charity is, is a CSR thing. It's, it's an optics thing. It's let's do PR thing. Hackerness is my way of, of, of trying to figure out how to pull Africa and, and large chunks of it out of poverty. Like, this sounds yeah. kind of disingenuous coming from an Asian guy talking about this. But I'm, I'm sincere, I promise. Um, yeah. But like, I don't really believe outsourcing models work. When you look at how people are doing things in, in India, for example, the sliver of the community that is outsourced to gets the training. And all of, all of the, uh, the, the intellectual property, the intelligence, and the work that's done is for Western companies. So an American company, yes, you might hire someone in India to do your you know, front-end coding or... or, 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 or uh, telemarketing, or whatever it is. You benefit a small sliver of that population. They make more money. They get more food. That's fine. You're still benefiting the economy. Net-net, it's a good thing for India. But what I want to do is I, I want to build up the tech community in a place like uh, an Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, right? Yeah. so that they can build for themselves, so that companies can form there, and then they can create more jobs in that local economy, which, which benefits everyone in that economy, right? rather than yeah. just the sliver of tech people that are hired. You're building structures and foundations and frameworks for people to get enterprise off the ground in um, not super tech areas by putting a hacker nest there. Um, yeah. and, 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 and so much of it is, 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 is rooted around 
how we do community. If you look at North America, it's, it's the most technologically advanced region on the planet, excepting Japan. Um, and if you look at how the community around technology has changed, it's taken 50 years to go from the perception of, oh, you're a loser, don't sit with this nerd, four eyes, to <laughs> right. today, Mark Zuckerberg is a rock star. Yeah. Right? It took 50 years for that change and shift to happen in North American perspectives to, 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 to value the tech nerd, to value the person who's you know, coding. Yeah. Um, if we can go to Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, and set that blueprint and say, look, this is what a healthy tech community looks like. This is something that you can use to feed your families. This is something that can help make your community better. You introduce it as something that's normal, that isn't black magic or voodoo or something that, that, that is frightening, but, in, but instead, this is something that anyone can gather around and help you know, contribute to the economy with. Like that's, that's kind of what we're doing. If, if you look at organizations like internet.org and, and Facebook, they're, they're trying to bring... Um, satellite internet to the two-thirds of the world's population that doesn't have it. They're, they're trying to yeah. bring technology to people. What HackerNest does is we bring people to technology. We make it normal. We make it, we make it a social thing, and, and, and we make it so easy for anyone to get involved in the community. If you want to get into tech, show up to a tech social, make some friends, boom, you've got yourself some dozen mentors, and really, really easy inroads into getting into tech. Right? Awesome. You don't have to be a tech person. Awesome. That's, I agree. And I definitely want to talk to you more about what you're doing in Africa. You know, uh, when we come back from our break as well as, as offline, I definitely have some interest in, in hearing more about it and maybe partnering with you in some way um, to, to ensure that that happens for um, my mother continent. So we're going to take a break. Everybody, don't touch that dial. Again, tell your friends to tune in to WDJYFM. Dr. Dion, Let's Talk Good Business. We'll be right back and continue talking to Shaharis about Hacker Nest. Um. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with more information on how to be and how to do good business. At Boss Life Coaching, we partner with you to clarify, enhance, or reinvent your business strategy. Imagine your business with inspired leaders who foster teamwork, use of tools of innovation like social media and marketing automation. We offer executive coaching, tech startup consultation, small business coaching, and for larger organizations, we provide team building solutions, coaching, and soft skills training for you and your employees. Are you dreaming of a well-run business with consistent leads, sales, and profits? Well, let us help you make it a reality. Contact Boss Life Coaching, a program of the Life Purpose Coaching Institute. You can reach us online at bosslifecoaching.com or dial 877-427-2724, extension 801. That's bosslifecoaching.com. look at someone who is successful and they look at them and think that it was an instantaneous thing. Um, 
they don't know the passion that that person put in, the time, the, un the unlimited hours that they put into whatever it is that they are doing. The what is this, that is what we are doing here with Beautifully Driven. We are highlighting these stories, these obstacles, not to show you the negative, but to show you what it takes, the ins and the outs um, to become successful and then even define what is your level of success? What does that actually mean to you? We are here for that entrepreneur, that budding entrepreneur. We are here for that entrepreneur who has been in business for years and needs to just reshape uh, their whole theory or process of how they've been doing business. We're here for that person who just wants that fresh look on life, whether it's going back to school, whether it is just being in a different relationship. We are here to just kind of show you the ins and outs and just the tips to just keep it beautifully driven. Hi, my name is Erin Udell, and I'm the founder and executive director of My Own Home Project. Um, I'm an operating room nurse and live in Palm Beach County, Florida. And um, I do the angel tree every year in the Gardens Mall. And one year, I um, picked an angel off the tree, and it was a young man who was exiting foster care that wanted dishes and pots and pans and glassware and all the stuff you need to start your life. So I did some research and found out that when they leave foster care in Palm Beach County, traditionally they would leave with a garbage bag with their personal belongings in it. So that was the beginning of my own home project. And um, so we work with the Department of Children and Families, ChildNet, Vita Nova, other groups, and we, um, we have distribution parties where kids come and they um, basically pick out all the stuff they need to start their lives. You just get everything you would give your own kids when they move out. I feel like maybe uh, this is a special, um, has special meaning for me personally because I was homeless when I was 15. And so I understand what it's like to be on the streets and not have anybody um, there to help you. Um, life is hard enough and these kids really are so strong and they're so appreciative. We're giving them, you know, a sense of dignity and we're giving them a sense of ownership, pride and ownership, and, um, and we're giving them a home. It's not an empty apartment, it's their home. It's all theirs, it's all new, no one's ever owned it but them. Uh, the implications are really great um, because if you don't have a home, what do you have? I'd like to introduce you to Shannon. She's a foster child from uh, Palm Beach County who was aged out of foster care. She's going to share her story with you. And she was a recipient of a distribution party from My Own Home Project. My name is Shannon. I'm 18 years old. And I aged from the foster care system January 3rd, 2014 in Palm Beach County. I ended up in foster care. Uh, I was in and out my whole life as a baby. And as I got older, um, my grandma took custody of me and my two brothers. I don't know my father and my mother. She, she couldn't take care of us because she does drugs. I know my grandmother and she took care of me and my brothers for about a month or so. She ended up calling DCF because she couldn't take care of us. And like it was really hard and my brothers weren't like contributing. They were much older, they're eight years older than me. And the, the group home, it was, 
it was hard because everyone already had all their friends and it was just like I was I wasn't very social to anybody to anybody so it was like I didn't feel wanted there so I'd run away a lot but I would run away to my grandmother she wouldn't report me she'd keep me there for a few days but then like she'd have to let me go back I felt so alone because when every kid would have their visitations I would call and my grandma would tell me she was coming and she never came. Aging out of foster care was very exciting for me because I was very excited to get out on my own. I thought I could do better than everybody who was around me. Being like, can I get out, can I get out? And finally when it did come, it was hard <laughs> because like life isn't what you think it is when you're a kid. Like you think it's just, oh, just go get a job and then you'll be rich. And it's not like that. And like you have to work very hard and it's hard to do it alone because no one's there to support you when you need it the most. My own home project, that helped me to give me um, a sense of belonging when I was, when I did get my own house because it gave you like every necessity that you needed. I went home wanting to go home for once and it wasn't like I didn't want to be there. And I just put it all in a room and I didn't think anything about it. I went in the living room and I sat on the floor <laughs> and I was just like, wow, it's so empty. It's like, I didn't want to be there. I'm thinking about where can I go? And then I remembered I had all this stuff and I went and packed and they gave you like homemade stuff too, like candles and like things just to make you like, oh, I have stuff. <laughs> like, it looks cute. That's what I did and I unpacked everything and it really made a difference. Currently, I'm enrolled in college at Palm Beach State, and I'm doing prereqs, and I'm on my own. I'm thinking about going in the nursing field or radiology. I think that my own home project is a great organization, and I think that people should donate so that other kids who are in my shoes could experience something that's going to change their lives. My Own Home Project is an all-volunteer 501c3 nonprofit in Palm Beach County, Florida. We're helping foster children one child at a time. Won't you please consider helping these kids on their journey to adulthood and independence? Welcome back. Our guest, Shaharis Bet, and I have been talking more about hackerness and the things that he's doing in Africa. But you're not just working in Africa. You know, you're 21 cities, 12 countries, four continents, and growing. So tell us more about your ecosystem, where you are, and how you're impacting the areas where you're holding your events. I need to be very clear. I want to go to Africa. We are not yet in Africa. Okay. Unfortunately, the, the way we operate is based a little bit on cynicism. I think countries and cities kind of have ego. I can take something from New York City and take that to any other city on the planet, and they'll be like, oh, it's good enough for New York, it's good enough for me. I can't do the same from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. I can't take something that succeeds in Addis Ababa and take that to New York, but I can take it the other direction. Does that make sense? Yeah, we have it does. To prove, we have to prove the hackerness model and our approach to things in developed countries first. Then, once we have enough of a following and enough traction, then, then we can go anywhere else on the planet. But right now, I'm still proving in, in, in the bigger cities. Um, so we're, we're, we're in six cities in Canada. Uh, the largest, obviously, is, is Toronto, and it's our flagship. It was the first city. But in the past two years, we've, we've spread to 20 other cities. Uh, we're in places like Colum uh, Colombo, Sri Lanka, right? We're in, mm -hmm. we're in Singapore. We're in, uh, we're in uh, 
wow, my mind blank. We're in Manila in the Philippines. We're in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. Uh, we have one in Tbilisi, Georgia. We have a hacker nest that is, uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're everywhere. I have, I have a You're everywhere. So, yeah, I'm looking at the list, and it's amazing, you know, what you've been doing now. How, does, how do you deal with growth? So we suffer growth because we're, again, resources are scarce in a nonprofit. We, we're not selling product. Uh, all of our money comes from sponsorship. And sponsorship that fuels Toronto and, and some a uh, small handful of the other cities fuels the rest of the cities that we're in. Um, our growth has been entirely organic and entirely word of mouth. Somebody finds out about us and says, hey, I'd like to have a splinter cell in my city. Can you help us make that happen? We do not benefit from getting into another city. Like, there's, there's no tangible thing that helps the organization sustain itself. So this is a, this is a net loss. The, the only reason we're in 21 cities instead of 81 cities today is that we can't possibly onboard that many cities and maintain any sort of semblance of quality um, without imploding. So, so the, the, the way that a hackerness forms is a handful of people who are interested in starting a Splinter Cell contact us and say, hey, we've got some people who are ready to volunteer and, and put their time together to, to build up these communities. Um, will you help us? We say inevitably, yes, or we'll get back to you in a couple of months when we have a little more bandwidth to say yes then. Um, and we, we, we train them and teach them on how to run our events the way that we do it. And we have a slew of best practices, but we're well aware that we don't live in the communities that we're in. So it's not like we think we know best. We don't know, like, if we go to Atlanta, Georgia, and someone contacts us from there and says, hey, I want to start a hacker nest. I'll say, look, try out these best practices that have been tried, tested, and true in the 21 cities that we're in that have seemed to work regardless of language, region, religion, language, culture. I think I said language twice. But it, just the way we do things, because it's so blunt, it's so direct, and it's so honest, it's mm -hmm. very difficult to argue with those kinds of uh, best practices. So we, we'll give you the slew, and then people will, will, will tweak it to fit their community because they know better than we do. They live there. And they'll understand what works and what doesn't. And so I know entrepreneurially, you know, you've had big contracts with the British government, Deloitte. What was your secret as an entrepreneur for getting a big contract like that? So the irony here is there is no shortcut. Uh, everything that we've done has been the result of tremendous amounts of hard work and risk. And the, the Hackerness model is to prove small and then go big. What we do is we'll run a small event in a place and show that we can make that a really, really great event, a big success, and then from there, we, we build up. It's like, give me a budget of $25,000, and let me run a tiny, tiny, pathetic hackathon for you, and let me show you how amazing it is to work with our people, and how great a success that event is, at which point you'll be happy to give me the 100 k when the, the hackathon that you want to be double that size is, mm -hmm. is, is ready to go. So with the British government, we ran Dementia Hack, which is the world's first hackathon catered towards people who have dementia and their caregivers. Um, okay. That was September 2014. And we ran that simultaneously in Toronto and then London in the UK. Uh, that pilot event and it went really, really well. So now they want to do Dementia Hack in uh, more cities again this year. Uh, Toronto, Toronto's Dementia Hack is actually going to be sponsored by, by Facebook, which... Um, I think it's kind of a big deal. I mean, Definitely. you know, most yeah. popular company on the planet and all, um, <laughs> which, is, which is a huge leap for us. But there's no way that we would have been able to get that conversation going with Facebook if we didn't prove that we could run the Dementia Hack uh, 1 hackathon really, really well. So prove yeah. small, 
demonstrate a track record of success, and then you can go bigger. What most people try and do is, I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are chasing the big idea and the big, the big score idea. and the big deal. Yeah. But without a track record of success, people won't trust you. That's true. Right? Yeah, that's true. So I agree. That's definitely just start, you know, dealing with that low-hanging fruit, doing the small things, doing them well, exceeding expectations, and then you that mm-hmm. you can go to someone and say, hey, you know, this we had 100% participation. You know, we had, you know, um, this was the return on the investment of our sponsors, and this was mm-hmm. the valuation of then. You know, despite the numbers, you were looking at really good metrics and, and qu- quantitative data. So I think when you have that, you definitely can attract the big ones. So congrats on Facebook. Now, how important have big have good employees been to your success? The vast majority of us. So, sorry. Before I answer that question, I want to go back a little bit on on building up. On oh yeah. Success. Mm-hmm. So sorry. Um, everything you do should build up on what you did before. So, like the, the whole running the small event first, that gives you credibility because you've proven it. Um, the, the, the the secret is showing history. And, and it, it, it's just like no one's going to give you a loan for $200,000 to buy a house if you have no credit history. So just think of everything you've done in the past as your credit history. Don't go after the, the massive big deals first because you'll, you'll overpromise and underdeliver. If you haven't done something before and you don't have the experience and you try getting this big contract, there's a good chance you'll flop and fail because you haven't gone through the, the crucible, the ringer of actually pulling together a deal or a project or a deliverable. So my, my recommendation and advice and suggestion to entrepreneurs is do the little things first. Prove really, really well on that, and that will get you the bigger things. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Now, so um, about the employees, you know, how important have good employees been to your success? Everyone says that people are the most important thing in your organization, and everyone is right. Um, we have such dedicated volunteers. We have such dedicated organizers. We have such awesome people who have been backing and supporting and helping us through everything that we've done. N- none of this would have been possible without amazing people like JJ, my co-founder, Robin, our, our technical director, um, and, and all the volunteers in Toronto and, and all of the organizers in the cities that we're in. This is <sighs> Volunteers are, are, are notoriously unreliable. It's like... I'll help out for this and this time. And if they don't show up, they're not hurting anyone. They, they, they view that they're not hurting anyone because, oh, it's free, so it's not as if you spent money on me, so me disappearing doesn't mean that your event goes any worse. Like, people have that mentality. But volunteers um, can actually sabotage an organization's uh, initiatives and efforts if they aren't reliable people. Like, flakery is the worst thing ever. I, I, I would mm-hmm. rather be shot in the leg than have to deal with flaky people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, again, is this is, an, this is an entrepreneur thing as well. This is, this is really, really relevant. If you flake, if you are late for 20 minutes, if you are late for uh, a meeting or whatever, like this sets the tone and, and sets what people view you as. You are what yeah. you do. If you flake, they view you as a flake. They won't trust you. You're not going to get the deal. If you, if you say you'll be somewhere and you aren't, they will base every other interaction off of that first one because that's the only experience that they have with you. They will judge you based on that. And, and yeah, if, if, if you say you'll do something but then don't, that's, you're, you're either lying, you're either incompetent and unable to perform, 
or something horrible happened that prevented it from, from happening and that wasn't communicated well. Expectations management is a huge deal. So we're really, really open and honest with our, with our volunteers. And I tell people, look, if I'm being a jerk to you and you don't tell me I'm being a jerk to you, I can't fix it. So that, that honesty works in our organization as well as um, what we encourage our, uh, our, our tech socials to be all based around, like bluntness and honesty and just clean unpretentiousness. Like, so, so we'll tell people, look, if you can't make an event, if you can't show up at the time that you initially wanted to show up, for whatever reason, we'll understand. We're reasonable people. If you have you know, an important hockey game that you need to go to, fine. You know, you, you've been waiting for that for two months. No problem. We understand you are volunteering your time, but tell us. Set expectations. Manage those. Let people know, oh, I, you know, I, I, my friends are coming in from out of town and we're probably going drinking. Um, I, might not be, I might be late for the, for the next couple of days because we're going to be heavily intoxicated. And that's fine. It's human. But exactly. You, but, but when you tell me to expect that you might not show up, then I can be like, oh, I can staff someone else on that or I can do it myself. Then I can accommodate for that. But if you don't tell me, you're actually sabotaging me. So That's exactly. honest communication with the people that you work with is really important. Honest communication and being accountable. Thank you for those parting words. It's been great having you on our show. We'd love to have you back as you continue growth or you have something special that you want to share. We'd just love to have you back. And if any of our listeners have questions for you, how can they get in touch with your organization as well as connect with you on social media? Look up uh, HackerNest anywhere. We're, we'll, we sh- if we're not the top result, we're doing really badly at SEO. So. Okay. <laughs> well, that's hackernest.com and, or is it .org? Uh, both. Okay. So it, everything ends up at hackernest.com. Um, our Twitter is forward slash hackernest. Uh, well, it's twitter.com forward slash hackernest. Facebook is facebook.com forward slash hackernest. Um, info at hackernest.com is, is, is a direct line to us. Um, and we, we might be really late on answering emails because we're understaffed, but we answer every single email that comes in. Awesome. Well, hey, everyone, if you want to get in touch with Shaharis, bet, bet with um, HackerNest, go to HackerNest.com, and you can find the social channels from there. Thank you so much for joining us on our show today. And for our audience, don't forget to tune in for our next show. We're daily, Monday through Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on WDJY 99.1 Atlanta. If you're not in the Atlanta area, why don't you go to TuneIn, download the TuneIn TuneIn app from whatever smartphone store that you use. You can download the TuneIn app and search for WDJY to listen to the show live every day. Talk Good Business airs at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm Dr. Dion, your host, and I'll talk to you next time. Don't forget to go to our website at www.talkgoodbusiness.com. Thank you for listening. Tune in again for more information about the emerging social enterprise. You can also visit us on the web at talkgoodbusiness.com.